Hey team, this is part two of two with Ethan McCara. And if you haven't listened to part one yet, come on. Y'all already know the deal with these two parters. Go back, listen. He's absolutely lovely. And you will find out more information there about how you can get to know him better and how you can participate in his live art piece. Where are you now? So go back and listen. And if you've already listened, we love you. We appreciate you. Thank you. Let's get on with part two of the show. Okay, so we have 12 customer service jobs. Which was your favorite of those 12? And you can't say Ethan's Diner because obviously, like you owned it. So, yeah, I mean, owned and operated. operated. I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite customer service job, without a doubt, was being a naked cleaner. Okay. It I'm... was just so hysterical. It was so fun. It was also painful, but I, I, I mean, I wrote a solo show about it. So there, there was a lot there. I'm going to need to know basically every detail. So uh, how did you know this was an option? Did you just create this idea? You just created it. Okay. Just like everything I do in my life. I just, I always feel like I'm just that kid again with the video camera. I'm like, I've got an idea and I'm going to make it. And then I just feel like I'm just a total idiot who it just has an idea and then goes for it. So no, no one ever told me that naked cleaning existed, but I was like one day in my house, I was like, I prefer, I like things clean. Okay. Number one. So it starts there. Like I like to clean and I like things to be tidy. Okay. So at home one day in LA, I was like, why do people clean with clothes on? Because you get so sweaty. And then it like, I get sweaty when I clean. I don't know how you clean. How do you clean? <laughs> oh, I, you cl- I clean with clothes on, but I get sweaty. Yeah. Yeah. I okay, scrub. Good. And I'm like, oh, so then I like want to take everything off. And so in my own home, I was like, I'm clean. Like my, my boyfriend at the time, he would come home and I'd be like, I'm just cleaning. Like, this isn't, you this know, isn't like, an I'm invitation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm going to be balls deep in the bathtub. Right and, yeah. Not and balls deep you in you. So yeah, exactly. You do not need to join me. There's <laughs> everywhere. Just be careful. So I was absolutely like one day I was thinking, how could I make some more money? Cause I'm always hustling. I'm always, you know, trying to find something. I tried to be a dog walker in LA at one point. I hate dogs. Nobody criticized me that fuck everybody on this podcast who's listening who like hates people who hate dogs. Be- I mean, yeah, that's why I said that. Right. Because I'm sorry. I'm a people person. All right. You, mean, you know, I just don't love dogs. I don't love animals. Yes. They're cute. I can see they're cute, but I'm not. But anyway, I was like, maybe I could be a dog walker. Hell <laughs> no, that. Ethan. Come on. I literally walked into the dog walking place. It was like actually a place. It wasn't. And I hugged the dog. They didn't hire me. Um, (laughs) So uh, that didn't work out. So I'm always looking for ways to make money. And I thought to myself one day in LA, I was like, well, wait a minute. I love cleaning. I like being naked. I like sexual intrigue. I I got Oprah magazine in the mail and Oprah magazine was always telling me to follow my true passion. (laughs) And so I was like, what do I really, you know, I was following Oprah's advice, you know, like, who do you really want to be? Who do you want to be? That's what she kept asking every fucking, uh, you know, issue that she was on the cover of. (laughs) Yes. Oprah plays a big part of my, my show about my life as a naked cleaner, because I, I really was inspired to be a naked cleaner because of Oprah, because I made the vision board slash mood board slash dream board. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Because she told me to, and all over that board was just a bunch of naked people scantily clad with a lot of cleaning products. I was like, 
I am meant to be a naked cleaner. And so then I trialed it out in LA and then I moved to London and I really went for it in London. How did you advertise? It was all my own creative. Okay. So, and how did you, well, two things. So as a woman, all I can think of is danger. I'm like, oh my God, you that's the most vulnerable you can be paying attention to something else without clothes on. Like, oh my God. So how did you feel safe and how did you advertise? So number one, I think it's really different for a man doing it for a man. And so there is just a difference in obviously the, the, the gender there. And so obviously straight men prey on women, right? That's, that's like why that's rape. And so that's, and then straight men prey on gay people too, gay men to, to harass them and hurt them. So we have a similar predator, but that's another story. Anyway, um, (laughs) we have the same predator. I was like, I know that it's just going to be so different if I'm just targeting mostly gay men or, or bisexual or straight men in the closet. So I put my ads up on our old favorite Craigslist. Yeah. Yeah. You can't do it anymore. They've totally taken down um, like all of their, I think you can do misconnections still, but like I used to post it in like mail for mail, like M for M. Oh, I got you for, it wasn't wasn't meant for, it was like, you really are supposed to put post in there for like a hookup or whatever, but like you're not supposed to post for like advertising for a business. business. Yeah. Yeah. Just cause like there would be like escorts and stuff. And, and sometimes the ads get flagged. Like if people get annoyed that they think you're asking for money, which I technically was, I try to spin my ad to make it look like sometimes I would have guys who would write and be like, is this for free? And I'm like, no, I'm not scrubbing your pubic hair off your toilet for free. So that's a no. That's a no. It's a hard pass. I'm not doing uh, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so how did I feel safe is that I kind of assumed that it would be okay because most men are just out to get their jollies off. So I didn't really think they were going to try to rape or kill me. And I knew that Craigslist was probably a great place to start. Okay. And so, but you, but you answered, so you advertised to men. Did you ever clean the house of a straight and or gay female? Like, were you ever in the house? Of, oh, of- I was so, like, so basically I did this job for, for a couple of years on and off being a naked cleaner. Cause I was my own boss, you know? And when I first moved to London and when I started to, think about what I wanted to work on next artistically. I wanted to write a solo show and I was like, couldn't think of what to write my solo show about. (laughs) And then somebody said, weren't you a bloody fucking naked house cleaner? And I was like, yeah, I probably should start there. (laughs) You can never Uh, see your own life. Ever. Good good suggestion. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So um, when I started writing the show, I had kept notes and journals and stuff of all my clients. So just kind of out of my own, because I like doing that. And so I was like, oh, fuck. Like, just for a counterpoint, if I'm writing the show, I'd love to have a, a woman. So I started advertising and I got on Craigslist, but I started putting it in like male for female or like female. No, I didn't put female, I put male for female and I got no bites. And of course I got no bites We're because scared. what woman is going to ask some gay, I mean, not even gay. They didn't even know I was gay. Like right. even, I, I said I was queer or something, but like, they were just like, no, like who the fuck, you know? And, and I don't even, yeah, it just, it's just a total safety issue. It's just totally different. I just feel like men are like, sure, come on over. They've never even seen your face. You know what I mean? <laughs> They're like, you and might she, murder me, but whatever. I don't care. Come over. Care. Yeah. 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 And, but women, it just was 100%. There, if I was through an agency, 
different. different. There, is a, there is an agency here called Butler's in the Buff that, that lots of women do hire, but it's way, it's more for like bachelorette party. That's what I was stuff. just about to say. It's like, they we, we're not going to ask you to bleach our toilet. We want to see your penis. Yeah. It, yeah. Well, even then it was like too soft core for me. You wore an apron <laughs> and all they saw was your ass. I'm like, I need to show my dick if I'm going to fucking do this. Okay. <laughs> so did you wear an apron when you worked for your, no, you were like, no, no, it every, was naked cleaning. Weren't you 100%. scared of getting like oven cleaner on your balls? Oh my God. All the time. I was like, please don't let me get bleach in my dick hole. <laughs> but I will tell you this. I did try to use as many um, organic products as oh, possible. Smart. I would sometimes write people and be like, Hey, do you mind going to like your local planet organic? That's like a, a local, you know, or like yeah. whole foods or like even like a, a mainstream grocery store. I'd say like, can you just get some baking soda and some like vinegar? I'll make my own when I get there or like method products are typically more organic and they're sold here. So I would ask people if they could do that. Not in the beginning, because I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. But then when I became like a massive entrepreneur, like Oprah, I was like, <laughs> had all my requests. I was like, I'm taking over the world as a naked house cleaner. So did you, uh, so you actually did clean then? this wasn't like a yeah. veiled, you're doing something else. You were actually cleaning. But a lot of people thought exactly yeah. what you just said. They thought it was like a ruse to, for me to come over and suck their dick or for me for them to suck my dick or something. You know, it was like, absolutely, which I understand. I get it. I totally get it. But I was really, really clear with everybody. Like, no, I'm really going to clean your house. Like, <laughs> you're going you're gonna to have I am glistening toilets. <laughs> yeah. Like you're going to love the outcome of this because not only are you going to get a therapy session, cause I'm going to listen to all your problems, which happened. And you're going to get to look at my fabulous body. You're welcome, folks. <laughs> you know, like, such an asshole right no, now. No, you're not. No, you're not. No, this I, is great. I, 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 I like love and accept my body. It's great, you know, for me. I don't know if it's everybody's cup of tea, but I was like, you know what? I'm totally into this. And second and thirdly, your house is going to be cleaned. So this is a win-win situation. So they would want to, because because often with cleaners, you know, it, we have them come in. We fuck off, Kate. You don't have any money. The 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 people that hire them have them come in whilst you're at work or something. Exactly. So so this the idea was you homeowner are going to be there. We are going Absolutely. to chat. I know it would, it would crack me up when I would tell people about it, like mostly straight people, to be honest with you. And mostly when I started kind of promoting my show, it was called coming clean life as a naked house cleaner. People would be like, ask me questions, like kind of if I met them at a party or I told them about the show and they'd say things like, so, well, why were people paying like premium rates and they weren't even home? I'm like, no, they were home. Okay. Like no one was hiring me to go clean their house while they were at work. Like that would be like a real waste of money. Well, but uh, except for, you know, the people who are and not yuck and yums here, it's just the people who are into the voyeuristic thing. It's possible that I, I, in my head, I thought, oh, some people probably had cameras in their apartments or their houses um, and just right. like wanted to seem as if they were creeping on you, even though it was consensual and what, I don't know. Maybe. That's true. That's true. That was never, ever the case. <laughs> they were like, no, no, Ethan, we want to see you in the flesh. Um, exactly. Are you comfortable it was, saying? It was, no, it was just that it, it was, the whole experience was about it being in person. Yeah. 100%. Yes. Of course there were apps. There's people who love being a voyeur and I do have stories uh, about a guy who never watched me and it, it irked me to no end. And it was almost <laughs> like it was a purpose, purposeful power play. But th of course there's people like that. Of course there's going to be somebody, but for the most part, everybody wanted the experience of it was titillating. It was what's going to happen. You know, it's the whole fantasy of it. It was all about sexual fantasy. And that's why I wrote the show about sexual fantasy. So two things, are you comfortable saying how much you charged? 
And if you're not yeah. skipping, you are. In, in the beginning, I was an idiot. And I was like, I'm doing it like 20 pounds an hour. And then I was like, no, this is crazy. So I, I brought my rate up to like 30. Then I did 40. Then I did 50. <laughs> then I did 80. Like, honestly, what I would do is I would try to get a vibe from the person. This is impossible, but I would try to get a vibe from the person's email of how rich they were. And that would <laughs> depend on if they included a picture, which sometimes they did, because some people did, which is weirdly. Some people would tell me where they lived. So obviously from the postcode, I could determine if, if that's a rich area or not, like that's what you're not, which is it's not always true. And boy, I found out sometimes it really wasn't true. And thirdly, I would determine it kind of based on uh, maybe if they said what they did or, you know, for a living, or some people are like, some people just, they give you information. I was playing detective, you know, they'd be like, oh, hey, I'm on, I'm on school break right now. Like I'm a, you know, so I'd be like, oh, they're a teacher. They're a professor. So I'd be like, oh, okay. Like moderate income, you know, like seven, okay. Maybe I'll do like 30, 30 pounds an hour. Some people would be like, hey, I'm just about to leave on an international trip. I'm like 80 an hour. <laughs> uh, yeah. Nothing. I mean, I just, I just, it was totally arbitrary. I just was like, it would just be like, oh, okay. Whatever I think or feel in the moment. Okay. And so then um, what would be an average amount of time you were spending in these houses? An hour to two hours. Oh, that's it? Yeah. Oh, so they didn't actually really want the cleaning. Okay. Because you can't get that house done in an hour or two hours. Okay. Oh, usually it would be like, I would concentrate on one or two rooms. Oh, I got you. So it was so the, they like, were having the experience. Yeah. I'd be like, I'm going to do your bathroom and your kitchen kind of a thing. Okay. How did you get naked quickly? Would you just walk in and de- de-robe, disrobe? Yeah, it was right to it. Ooh, right boo. Me, there is just, there is no faffing around, as they would say here. There is just, you're just like, I'm like, I'm not here to waste your time. I'm a sure thing, as Pretty Woman said. And I was like, come in. I do quick small talk. Like, hey, look at the place. Okay, great. So what do you think you want cleaned? Tell me what you want cleaned. So that, la- that conversation lasts two minutes. Great. You ready to get to it? I'd start unbuttoning everything and taking everything off. I was just like, went right for it. Can I, and we can absolutely skip this question. Um, What would you do if you were incredibly attracted to, I I know you weren't like, I'm not suggesting you would cheat on your man, but what would you do if you were really attracted to the person? And then you're like, great, now I've got to get naked. And this person's hot. That was so rare. Yeah. I was like, there was a mutual attraction to the person, but every once in a while I'd be like, this is killing me because you're going to pay me. And yes, I'm cleaning, but I'm, I'm attracted to you too. I don't feel like I'm doing you a service. I mean, even though I was cleaning for them, I really was cleaning for them, but it, it felt like a little bit, you have a chemistry with somebody, right? Yes. So it's almost like an immediate friendship. It's like called instant friendship. I yeah. think it's, there's like a term like that. And I feel like we'd almost have instant friendship. So it almost felt like it felt a little prostitute And so then I was like, oh boy, this is territory that is culturally we could talk about all day because there's all the shame associated with it. There's especially for women, there's all this stuff. And I address it in my show. I talk about it. You do. Okay. Yeah. The worry about people are going to judge you. People are going to look down at you. People are going to disparage you. People are going to, yeah, there's all sorts of negativity that comes with it. Sure. Now would those people tip you better? Oh my God. People don't tip here. (gasps) People do not tip here. It's unbelievable. That's why I was like, I need to raise my rates immediately because like if I am charging 20 an hour, like I'm never going to get a, like a 30 pound tip on top of it. So yeah, I would, I just tried to raise my rates. No people. I mean, I, I had a few, maybe like one or two that I can think of who gave me like a few, like a little extra. They're like, here's one pound for your penis. (laughs) 
<laughs> you're like, okay. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> you're like, my penis is worth at least five pounds, but whatever. Exactly. I was like, and then my ass is worth 10 pounds. Hello. So let's go, people. 10 pounds. <laughs> oh, I see what you did there. Okay. So I, then I, I just one more question about this. So the guy who never watched you, that was, that was a power play. You think? I, I, I could only assume so. Okay. I literally spent the entire time trying to get his attention while he sat on his laptop in the living room. And I would, I, it was like comical. I looked like a cartoon. I would literally, I mean, it was like this, like the, the stereotype. I would have like the feather duster, which I never did that kind of <laughs> stuff. I would grab a feather duster and I'd be like bending over right in front of his computer screen. And he wouldn't look up from it. He wouldn't look at me. If I asked him a question, he'd like, answer. Hey, where is, where's the broom? He'd be like, oh, it's over here. He had a nice energy about him. He wasn't like, but he absolutely would not look at me. He would not look at me. So the, I gave up and I just went into the kitchen and I just, and he didn't follow me. And I literally took and um, demolded his entire refrigerator because it was full of mold. Oh my God. So you exposed yeah. yourself to mold because he wouldn't look at, God bless you, Ethan. That's actually. Yeah, well, uh, I had a job to do, you know? <laughs> okay. And it was clear. He wasn't participating. I it seriously. <laughs> Neuter- I will tell you about that one though. Because the mold was so bad, I did, I wear, I wore the yellow gloves and I put on my shoes. I mean, yeah, I would have been scared to breathe in it. I mean, that's a real, ooh, bless your heart. Okay, cool. Well, I have a billion questions, but people should just see the revamp of your show when that happens. So um, we just talked about your favorite. Okay, so what was your least favorite of all of those jobs? Telemarketing. Oh, I bet. Why? Telemarketing was so painful. Telemarketing is so painful. I I know it seems like a weird customer service job because it's not like waiting tables where you're interacting with a lot, but, but it is customer service in the sense calling people. We had to do surveys. That's what I, that's what I did. And it was so painful to you you got paid more if you completed an entire survey. And so you, I think I made minimum wage. And so if you made it through the survey, you got like extra money. So sometimes people would hang up when you were one question away from completing the survey. So it was always, and you're constantly lying to them about how long the survey is. <laughs> so you're, 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 you're like, you never tell them because it's like, I know it's a fucking 45 question survey, <laughs> but it, in it, I'm like, do you have a few minutes? That's what they say to you, right? So like, do you have a few minutes for a quick survey about ketchup? No joke, ketchup. And, and so you, I remember Heinz ketchup was like one of the clients and you, and you'd be like 10 questions and they'd be like, how much longer? And it'd be like, just a few more questions. And I'm, and I'm just trying to say them as quickly as possible. Cause it's multiple choice, right? You're, you're like, would you rather do a B, C or D B? Okay, great. So and it's like, literally sometimes people would hang up and you were one away and you didn't get to finish it. And then this is the worst part. I'm just remembering this. When you finished it, you'd have to, tell you'd have to say can you please hold while my manager verifies this phone call then you'd have to raise your hand okay because it was a whole line of us and like a bank of computers with the headsets on like the madonna style headsets you know and you'd have to raise your hand and then you have to wait for the manager who was at the front at like this big table like a couple of them and then they'd have to get on the call they'd like see you and then they knew what booth you're sitting in too and then they'd have to come on and say hey, I just want to confirm that you answered, you know, 35 questions about the da-da-da-da. And the person would have to say, sometimes while you were waiting for the manager to go, they hung up. And sometimes the managers would be nice and they'd be like, I trust you and it's okay. But luckily I worked there for, I don't know, 
two, three weeks. And I looked there, I worked there for longer than two, three weeks, but two, three weeks in, they asked me to be a manager. Oh, and you're like, thank God. <laughs> you're yes. like, yes, please, yes. right now. Yes. But it was a place full of characters. Oh my God. The people who work there, unfucking believable. It's like a movie. It, it, it's like a TV show. It, it's, it's just, it's insane. The amount of people and the things that people say to you, like your coworkers, just the break room, I mean, first of all, it was all disgusting. It was it was in Manhattan, but it was still like in the in a hovel. I mean, it just really was like, oh my God, I cannot believe we're allowed. It's like asbestos was like coming out of the ceiling. And you're like, I can't believe we're allowed to work here. You know, you can just picture it, right? The ceiling is broken and there's like things falling through and there's like hear, literally like 45-year-old computers. I hear the buzzing of fluorescent lights in the Absolutely. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Sexual harassment everywhere. Just unbelievable. Why do you feel like the, these coworkers were more characters or like there was so much more going on in this telemarketing world as compared to, you know, restaurants or other places? Like why, what makes you think of characters at this job? Was it, did it just attract weird personalities? It's a really good question. It might be because it was a flexible job. So it was people who they did have a morning shift and a night shift. I always worked the night shift. So you found a lot of people who'd come after their full-time jobs and their full-time jobs were already low paid jobs. And so it was people just trying to put food on the table. I mean, honestly, some of the people who came in and I'm I'm really now really going back into this, they 100% would come in they looked homeless. They would have oh. like, and maybe they were, I don't maybe, even know yeah. sometimes, or maybe they were living in hostels or maybe in oh. kind of um, like transitional housing. Kind of yeah. 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 But incredible speaking voices. I mean, I remember when I became a manager, then you like, they come in, they look so down and out shabby. And, and the, the, really everyone had a telephone voice. That was what was so fun about it because it was almost like Jekyll and Hyde. Like I remember this woman, her name was Margot. She came in, she was from the Bronx and she'd talk like this, you know, and she had the whole accent. She'd be like, hey, boo, how you doing? And she asked me to have a three-way one day. She's like, we have a three-way, me, you, and Mario. It was like this other manager. I'm like, no, ew. And so she was totally like crazy, right? And here's a character. I loved her. Literally, she'd be talking to me like that you'd be sitting next to her. Okay, do like, the do wait, wait, do the transition. Yeah, be that be yeah, her yeah, and then get like, like, okay. Boo. Anyway, do you want to come? Do you want to come out with me tonight? We are gonna go fucking t- it's gonna be the tits. All right. We are gonna go crazy. Oh my God. It's gonna be and then your phone would beep means you had a call, right? Because it was always roaming. And so it'd go beep. She'd go, hold on, boo. Hi, this is Margot. Uh, I did you have time for a few uh <laughs> minutes to do a quick survey? Okay, wonderful. Great. Okay. It was unbelievable. I mean, talk about acting. These people were incredible actors. They really, really were. So many of them were. And so the sense even the homeless guy, the homeless guy. I remember he had an incredible. He he sounded like um one of those incredible voiceover actors. You know, like a like a Samuel L. Jackson, or sure. you know that they just have that booming. You know, like he would. It was like I was like, you should get a voiceover agent <laughs> from the street because you know. Yeah, exactly. Listen, exactly. hey, weirder things have happened. You have a headshot by chance. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just take a quick Polaroid of your face. Exactly. So, so that sort of that job attracted various characters. Who it was probably just because by the time you they got to that night shift, they had had an ass full for the whole day, and they were like, yeah. "This is not the American dream. I'm not making enough to survive forty hours yeah. a week. I'm now working eighty, and I'm still not making enough. That's that's no. right." No. So, the, and, and for some of them, they'd done it for so so long. long. They had worked there for decades. I'm not even joking you. And so it was just a safe place. They got to come at night and they made extra money. Mm. And and I, I... 
I, to be honest with you, to really answer your question, the place probably made them crazy. I'd like to rewind time. <laughs> Maybe when they first started work, I know it made me crazy. So I'm sh- and I only worked there for a summer. So I imagine that after 10 years, it made you cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. That's, that's what I'm assuming. I mean, if nothing else, the asbestos you're breathing in every shift with the fluorescent in the background, like, yeah, you're going crazy. You are. I, I wish I could think of the name of the movie. It came out a couple years ago and is brilliant, brilliant. It came out the same year, I think Get Out did. And it's with one of my, the, this actor that I love. And he starts in a telemarketing firm and it's and it shows him getting moved up. And then... I know what movie you're talking you about. You know what I'm talking about? And then he becomes... Is that what they turn into like gorilla? Horse, no, they turn into like horses. horses. Yes. Yeah. And it's yeah, yeah. such a good fucking film and I can't yeah. think of the name of it. But as soon as you said telemarketing, I thought of that movie instantly because he goes crazy in the movie. It's yeah. so good. Anyway... Not helpful. Kate can't think of the name of it. Okay. So, so how did you find out about that job? Was that a Craigslist find or you just from the village voice newspaper? Oh, hell yeah. Okay. That's the real safe place to find jobs too. You really, I mean, the fact that you're alive here speaking to me now, (laughs) Ethan is actually a miracle considering all the dangerous situations you put yourself in. God bless you. I know. I mean, I wasn't flying planes or anything, but yeah, it's true. I mean, there was a lot of shadiness that was going down. I haven't even told you about when I was a drug dealer. moving on moving on (laughs) edit okay so that was your least favorite okay what's the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst on the clock and i bet you got an answer for this one i am excited to hear what you have to say to this i was asked to fart on a cake (laughs) podcast over if you're done i'm not asking anything else i'm crying I was asked to fart on a cake. That is that when when I when I mean it's so easy. That question is so easy. <laughs> Thanks, folks. On, Good night. We're done. Yeah, it's on the tippy top of my brain. I mean, I, I don't think anything could could top that for me. What would top it for me is if you say to me that was not whilst you were being a naked cleaner, but that was whilst you were like telemarketing or any other job that makes no sense. Like that, then the interview is over. Was it? I when- was a tutor. I was a tutor. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was totally when I was a naked cleaner. Okay, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta hear the context and and why. <laughs> so, lots of people have different fetishes. I learned from from being a naked cleaner, and which God love. That, yeah, and there are things that you could never imagine and that you'd never thought about in your life if you don't have fetishes. Okay, and sure. I, I put myself in that category. I'm not a fetish person, so it was like an education in fetishism. It for me being doing this job. Because you would get all these emails and people would just kind of unload on you. <laughs> that sounds... Yep, they I'm, would try to unload on we're you. We're going past you. it. We're going past it, Ethan. Exactly, Keep going. Yeah. <laughs> they would unload on you metaphorically mm. through their fantasies in the... So what they wanted you to do before they came over. So sometimes I would learn about what they wanted me to do before and then I could say yes or no. And then sometimes they would lay it on me. <laughs> There we go. Um, this is full of double entendre. This one, and um, they would lay on me when I got there. So um, okay, would, would they get your approval ahead of time for what you were comfortable with, or was it just understood? Yeah. Okay, yeah, okay, yeah, 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 okay. absolutely. So this guy, he emailed me, and he told me straight up it was through an email. So he he said, "I have this uh, fetish, and I'd love you to clean my house, but at the end of it, I want you to to fart on this cake," and but, but- I. I mean, if you don't have a fart chambered, like how, what if it ends up being poop? Like, what do you do? How did you, did you eat a bunch of beans? Like, how did you guarantee you'd have a fart chamber? All of this went through my head. And I was like, (laughs) 
uh, my first response was how much? <laughs> and and, and um, he was willing to pay. So I went. Of okay? course. So I went. Yeah. So I was like, I knew that I wasn't going to do it because I just knew I couldn't do it. Like, because I'm all about giving the customer what they want. Right. Sure, and so sure. I'm not going to fake it. And so I knew there was no way that I was going to be able to do it. But I thought, it's God, it's really funny. So I went over, I cleaned his house. And I kind of made it clear from the email. And then when I saw him, like, this is something that I'm probably not going to do. I can't remember how I nuanced it. It was kind of like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Like, <laughs> like fine. Yay for you. <laughs> it reminds me of Margaret Cho. She has like a stand up thing where she says that British people actually say things like, oh, yeah, Bob, he's really interesting. He's really, he sees things really, really, really interestingly. Come to find out, Bob is blind. So, <laughs> like, you know, like, I felt like that was a little bit like how it was. What you I was were like, doing. Oh, that's interesting. Like, no, I'm never going to no, do that. Not like, on your cake. I was like, Oh, that's interesting. Cuts up. Yeah. Tell me more. So I cleaned his house and then, um, lo and behold, a cake appears. And I was like a big old chocolate cake. Of course it has to be chocolate. Well, it should be. Um, Cause what if something happens? I know it's so you can disguise it. <laughs> and so I just saw it sitting on the counter and it was actually in a, it was in a cake thing, you know, where you can like cover the thing. It's like a, you know, like a the plastic, it, like, but like it was, it was, uh, it was, I couldn't see what was in it, but it's obvious that there's a cake in there. Uh, 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 okay. Do you know what I mean? So like, I could see on the counter as I was cleaning the kitchen that there was clearly a cake on a plate with a, cu- a top over it, but sure. I couldn't, it wasn't, it wasn't transparent. So I couldn't see. So it was like the entire, if you could see me, if like, it was like a video on me, you could see me the whole time. It was almost like the cake was eyeing me the whole time. And I was like, looking back at it, like, <laughs> I feel <"Stop>, attacked. <laughs> yeah. I was like, stop following, stop following me. And I knew <laughs> at one point, probably the cake was going to be revealed, but I didn't really know if it was or not. And so I so wait real quick. So you didn't say there was not a hard no in the email. You didn't say I'm not doing that. You just did the that wasn't that seems interesting. Tell me more. But I'm going to you finessed it as a kind of no. Exactly. OK. Exactly. OK. Exactly. Keep going. So then uh, because I was like, I have to go. But I learned really early on with with customers. Don't make promises you can't keep and make it cleaning. Do not do this. One of my hard rules, because the minute you tell somebody you're going to do something, well, then you got to do it. Hello. So that's why in the beginning, when people were like really propositioning me like sexually, I was finding it difficult to say no. And then I would find myself in these positions of having to say no when I got there. Yeah. So much better to say no right off the bat. So yeah. then if they don't want you, if they really want to have sex with you, call somebody they're, they're going to move on. They're yeah. going to move on. So yeah. it's like, I'm protecting myself. Right. Yeah. So I learned that really early on in my, as my, in my tenure <laughs> as a naked cleaner. So the cake is following me around the room the entire time. And I didn't have the courage to ever even, cause he, he left the room at one point and there was, I was like, I really want to just, because it's like a movie where like you want to open it. Like there's nothing in there. It's like, it's all just that you're being tortured. Right. It's like a horror movie. Dun, 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 dun. But I was like, there, there's probably a cake there. There's probably a cake in there. There's going to be a fucking cake. In there. But so the whole time it's kind of eyeing me, you know, I feel like it has eyes literally. Oh. And I clean the kitchen. I clean the bathroom. My time is up and I'm like, okay, it's time to be paid. Right. So I go in the living room and what I used to always do is just get, start putting on my clothes and be like, okay, great. And just kind of awkwardly let them kind of go and get their money kind of a thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So it just, you know, I didn't want to ask for it explicitly. And so he left the room. I was like, okay, he's going to go get his money or he's going to get the cake. He comes back in with the cake and he sets it down on the coffee table. And I'm like, um, you know what? I just, not feeling well. And I just don't, it's probably not a good time. So 
don't want a diarrhea on your cake. Exactly. That's what I was also trying to imply. I was like, a bit bubbly. So (laughs) don't know it's the best time really. Um, But you know what? Rain check. And can I um, fart for you another day? (laughs) And um, because I really wanted to see the cake. I really did. There was some part of me that was like sickly not wanting to see it, but I did want to see it. Yeah. So I, I got to see the cake and it was, like I told you, a big old chocolate cake and it had a little cherry on top, little cherry, little maraschino cherry right on top and a uh, little piping, little white piping on the <laughs> Somebody top. Somebody put and effort into the fart cake. That's interesting. I wonder if you paid for it. Of, I think he wanted to film it, to be honest. Oh with me. Like, yeah, no thanks. And I was like, oh God, now I'm like, a... by the way, come to find out just so everybody knows who's listening and you, um, this is a real thing. This is a real thing. People fart on cakes and you can go there. There's a website. It's called cakefarter.com, but it's, it's now defunct. So to, for your viewers, uh, for your listeners, it doesn't exist anymore, but there's a real thing. And, and there's also meatloafarter.com. People fart on meatloafs. I'm um, sorry. There's, yeah. I'm sorry is right. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. I just want to say this. I have no judgment on this whatsoever. I fucking love it. I love yeah. that you get off on birthday cake farts because you like to see the frosting fly across the room when someone farts on it. I love that. I love the nuance of that you like to watch somebody fart on a meatloaf. Sign me up any day. It's why I became, it's why I went to the guy's house. It's why I did what I did. Well, and also, I I also love, to your point, yes, I love that too. And also, I love that these people are so con- are confident enough in themselves to ask for it. It's like, I can barely ask people to take me to the airport much less have the you know the chutzpah or the confidence to be like will you fart on a cake for me like I just can't imagine the level of self-love and confidence that it requires to be like I'm gonna get what I want even though it's this particular thing like God hey, love I, wa- I want you to know I will fart on a cake for you appreciate you, you Ethan and and I'll bring you to the airport thank you <laughs> here's what I can promise you I will bring you to the airport that's as far as it's going. <laughs> okay. okay. Now, did that guy not pay you because you didn't? No, fight? he totally did. He, he did. Totally paid. Did he handle it? Okay. Him. I okay. warned him because don't make promises you can't keep. I think he knew it was probably going to be a no go, but it, he still tried anyway. You know, bless his cotton socks, and <laughs> that he was probably only wearing. Probably <laughs> and did yeah, did the, did the people you cleaned for get naked too? Sometimes. Hell yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't like, it was, it wasn't very often, but if people wanted to, I really it didn't bother me. You were like, okay. People like, we're like in their underwear. They like the whole thing just cracked me up. Honestly, like none of it for me was at all like a sexual excitement. I yeah. was like, this is like, so I, I felt like an anthropologist. I was just going to say it speaks to the documentary side of you actually, not yeah. that you were documenting it, not that anyone needs to worry. You didn't film it. I'm not suggesting that, but more that yeah. you were anthropologist, but also sociologist of studying the uh, human behavior. And just, exactly. it's, it's almost voyeuristic, even though you are participating, it's an yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. And how I fit into it sure, and how I fit into it, because what are my own fantasies? What are my own, like, how, how, how do I repress myself? Sure. Like you were saying, I can't even ask to bring someone to bring me to the airport. Like now I was, I felt the same way. I was like, wow, I have a lot of admiration for people I do too. who know what they want, yes. who can find a way to do it, who, uh, who maybe don't have shame around hiring someone. 100%. Like when you involve money in something, then it becomes all this, like all these blurry lines and, and you're pathetic and all this bullshit. And I just didn't agree with any of it, but 
it still was in the back of my mind. It was still in the back of my mind going, are you, are you a prostitute? Are you, are you giving into somebody's fantasy, even though you don't really want to do it? Is that fucked up? Like all this stuff it's, but it really was a digest. I mean, a a dissection of looking at human sexuality and and how we in Western culture, particularly really, really, really look at sexuality and how we explore our sexuality or don't. Don't. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's an interesting, did it change your personality when you were done doing it? Yeah. I mean, it's just like anything. It, I feel like I, I'm, I have more empathy. I, I think about people differently. I listen better. Cause honestly, I spent most of my time listening to people and their stories. Mm. That's what I did. It was like, I was a therapist that that was really where I spend most of my time. You know? Did anybody so, cr- I know people so deeply? And I don't mean that balls deeply. <laughs> Second reference to getting balls deep in someone. I love it. Uh, did did anyone ever cry whilst you were naked and like telling you their story? Oh, God. I thought you meant because my body was so, they were like, oh, my God, your body's so gorgeous or so awful. So gorgeous. <laughs> because of your pristine male physique, did people shed tears at your Greek godlike body? Well, that they did. They did. I they believe did. you. The minute they saw my dick, they were in tears. The whole package. They were. It was just like uncontrolled tears. tears. No, no one ever. No one ever got emotional. But there was it like teary. But there were. I mean, boy, we talked about some deep shit with people, especially a lot of straight guys. I'm putting that in quotes. Yeah, I saw that um, about sexuality. Bless that. Going, actually- yeah, tell, uh, telling me things they told me they'd never told anybody else. Oh, yeah. Telling me things they told, they never told their girlfriends about their fantasies about to be with men or their fantasies to just even explore. It, not even that they felt like that they were even gay or bisexual, but maybe they just wanted to explore that just to see, you know? Um, so it was, it was really like a, a lesson in uh, listening to people, just letting I, them speak. Speak. I bet you saved some relationships too, because being able to just offload that, even just expressing like, I, you know, something as innocuous as like, I'm curious what uh, putting a marshmallow in my butt is like, or something, you know, that we would consider like, haha, that's funny. <laughs> versus like, you know, I don't identify sexually with men, but I'm curious. It's fascinating. That's really, there's a lot of healing. I'm sure that happened there. Okay. And I probably broke up a lot of relationships. Um, <laughs> I didn't say it, but yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, you probably did. Okay. Uh, when you were working in any of the, uh, the not naked, because you were working for yourself at that point, did, was there ever a, an incident that made a customer ask to speak to your manager? Yeah. You know, I thought about this because I waited tables for five and a half years and I don't think there was ever a time when a manager asked to speak to someone because of me. I don't think so, but I definitely got in fights with customers for sure. Okay, but I don't think it ever escalated into them uh, asking to see a manager. Wait, how did you avoid? Maybe, maybe okay. Now that you're really like pressing me on it, it was it was probably like really really like stupid like something was wrong with their food or something, and it was like it, it was bad, and so like can I talk to the manager? But it wasn't about me. You know what I mean? Sure. It wasn't like, Oh, I, I, I did something. It was more just like, this really does not make me my expectations kind of a thing. So, so yeah, what, I don't feel like it was me though. Why was something you got into a, a fight with a customer about? It was, it, 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 there were so many things, but <laughs> cause I used, to, I used to get in fights with people. Um, <laughs> number one was, okay, this is, it, this is going to be great for the dog people. Um, <laughs> that it had outdoor seating. 
okay. where I worked. And um, everyone used to bring their fucking dog and leave it in the middle of the uh, walkway where we used to have to walk. So there was tables on either side of us. So it was on a sidewalk. So there was tables closer to the edge of the sidewalk and then closer to the building. And so they made a little aisle for us in the middle to walk down with all the plates and take the orders and stuff. And so people would let their dogs sit. So I would make massive, I'd have, you know, three plates in my hand or four plates. And I would like step over the dogs really. And sometimes the dogs were like tiny, like a little, you know, fucking teacup. What do you call those? Poodle, like, those little te- 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 chihuahua, yeah. teacup chihuahua. Like, I mean, they're not that big, but I do like a massive clown step <laughs> over it. And then I'd be like, can you please move your dog out of the entry or out of the alleyway or whatever it was, the walkway or whatever. Yeah. And um, yeah, I would get aggressive with people about it, but it was more like in a really passive aggressive way. Mm, that's, that's that, that's that sting. The LA has a lot of that. The passive aggressive aggression, it, it that, that sting doesn't feel great to be on the receiving end of, although you weren't in the wrong. I mean, if you're going to trip over a dog, yeah. like that's a big yeah. deal. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Go ahead. But I also, I chased people down the street when they didn't leave me good tips. <laughs> Ethan, tell me right now. Wait, yeah. not even yeah. that you were stiffed, but you didn't think the tip was enough? No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so if I got like a 10 or 15% tip, not, okay, not all the time, but a lot of it, because mostly I didn't get 10 or 15% tips because everybody in LA pretty much, I would say, and where I worked, it was a breakfast lunch place. Okay. So I didn't have to do dinners, which is really, really different. Yes. In culture. Yes. This was turn and burn, right? This was like fast, 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 fast. Yep. And I appreciated it. I loved it. So you didn't have to spend a lot of time with people who were bad customers because they were in and out typically, right? And so if you got a bad tip, it was like, whatever, you're you're filling the table next, you know? But occasionally, if it was a day where it wasn't that busy and I had the time and I saw that they left me $3 on a $35 check or, you know, something like that, I fucking chased after them down the street on the sidewalk, they were walking to their car and I would confront them. Now I didn't do it. I want to tell you this. I didn't do it. Like, like there was one I'm specifically remembering and they were appalled that they were being chased down the street by a a waiter. They were like, Oh my God. So I would go and I chased after them. And I, this is always my kind of MO. I'd be like, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. And I'd be like, run, like literally running, like, you know, with a little apron and like hearing all my change, like bounce in my pocket, like literally abandoning my tables, like literally running down the street and then going, <laughs> Hey, ex-, I'd be like, Hey, excuse me, excuse me. I'd be like, Hey, um, and they're, they're thinking that they left something at the restaurant that yep. I'm chasing them for their sunglasses yep. or something. And they're like, Oh, Hey. And I'm like, was there something wrong with the service? <laughs> and they're like, no. And I'm like, and then I take the receipt and I'd be like, well, you left me $3 and tip, tipping is customarily 20 to 25%. <laughs> oh, I wish I had the balls. Oh and literally they would dig into their pockets. This Ethan. Yes. And they coughed up more money and I took it and walked right back to my station. And my friend, Jen, she was like, you are unbelievable. You are unbelievable. She didn't give a shit. She just like, whatever, on to the next. She had such a laissez-faire attitude about it. I was like, for me, it was totally, I say this, this is totally woo-woo, but there's a thing and like, you found your power animal. My power animal is a skunk. Okay. Skunk (laughs) medicine is all about respect. This was totally about respect. I was like, don't disrespect me. Do not disrespect me. Okay. (laughs) I'm sorry. I, I literally was like a skunk. I went down the street and I sprayed all over them and I'm not stuck, you know, yeah. I'm laughing so hard I can't breathe. 
And my friend Jen would watch me and she would watch the people from afar dig into their pockets for little dollar bills, dollar bills. Because a lot of people just pay their credit card. So like they were going to hand me their credit card. I'm going to go rerun it, you know? So they'd literally be like digging. Oh my God. Wait. So how did your manager not fire you over some shit like that? Like I would call the restaurant back and be like, I got chased. Because it's one word. It's called shame. People were so shamed that I shamed them that they know or or else. Because, yes, it's so true. Somebody I just happened to pick the right people to do that to. Oh, yeah. I, of course, I could have gotten somebody who, of course, there's plenty of people. I probably would have been like this. Be like, what? Fuck you. I mean, I, I mean, I never would badly tip someone. But yes, maybe somebody would be aggressive. Like, how dare you sure. say? Like, that's what I thought your service was worth. But I never had those people. They they just paid me the money that I deserve. Thank you very many. Oh, boy. Okie dokie. Uh, amazing. I sound like a total asshole. No, you don't. You sound like confident. I'm so jealous. This is you're a skunk. I love it. Okay. <laughs> what was the last straw that got you out of the the server job. I literally had the Hollywood fairy tale. I worked for five and a half years at this restaurant and I got a huge hosting job. And I literally, it was like this high paid long-term TV commercial. I was a spokesperson for a hair care product and it led me to do all of this incredible work for two years. And so it was like, I got the big job. And I literally called and was like, I quit. Oh, done. Oh, I cannot wait for that day. Um, And were you discovered because of the job or was it through your agents that you got the hosting? No, it was because I, it was because of auditions. Auditions. Okay. An audition that I went on through my agent. Amazing. Have you ever told a customer to fuck off apart from chasing them down the street and asking them to tip you more? (laughs) I want to say for the record that because I've listened to your podcast, I, I feel like I had so many great interactions with customers. I feel like my my experience was really, really. I met so many nice people. So I never told anybody to fuck off. I I, I definitely had moments where, not to say I didn't have occasional bad customers. Sure, um, people I didn't chase down the street, or people <laughs> who just weren't very kind, or just not. You know, they didn't really care about me at all and what I was doing for them. But for the most part. I had so many nice people. Oh my God. Mm. They were so nice and they were so kind and they came to my shows and they supported my stuff and they became my friends and they, yeah, they, to this day, I mean, when I took my show, the coming clean about my life as a naked house cleaner, when I brought it to LA, I had customers from that job in the audience and I hadn't, I haven't worked there in a decade, you know, or more. So it was incredible. Okay. Ethan, so no, you're a hero. You're in the, we're in the negative section. You can d- do all the happy shit and dessert. Just tell us the bad stuff. All okay. right. <laughs> so you never tell a customer to fuck off. Congratulations. You're the only one. No, okay. No. Ethan, we're moving yeah. on. How many, <laughs> how many bodily fluids have been on your person whilst you were working? Oh God. Um, being a naked cleaner, um, a few, I'll have to say, um, I'm not going to get into it too specifically, but yeah, I'll just say, you know, there, there could have been a few, um, but in the traditional sense, like, no, not because I I, listen to your other podcasts, people, when people talk about like, if you work in a bar, like I never worked in a bar, so people don't throw up. They, you know, I'm, I certainly didn't work in a strip club. So I wasn't taking a drink out of somebody's vagina. So <laughs> Hi, Bella. no, I, 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 a naked cleaning. Yes. A couple bodily fluids, but other than that, none, none. I okay. don't think. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, that's good. Do you tip? Of course. Okay. How much? Yeah. 
Oh, 25% at least. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it will here. It's in, in the UK. Sure. It's really awkward because they like, it's such a, there is a 12.5 is the standard here. Okay. But, and sometimes they try to like, just, they add it to the bill and then they run your credit card. So you have to tell them, actually, I want to leave more. Oh, wow. So it becomes this whole thing where you're like, oh, wait, don't run it. Yeah. Da, da, da. But in America, 20 to 25%. Okay. Do you ever not tip? Never. Never. Even if the service is bad? Never, never, ever, ever, ever. I would never do that. What if they are, what if they are like, I don't know, disparaging you or just like they're out of their minds rude to you or they even then? I mean, if somebody called me a faggot or something like that, then like, no. But like, uh, if somebody just is just busy or they even come across as a little rude, no. Wow. That's awesome. Cause you could just, cause you like, you know, I what really it's like. know what it's like. Everyone has bad days. Everybody has bad days. Yeah. It, they actually, they, they probably need it more yes. than they don't need it. So yeah. it's like, I'm just gonna give it because it's the right thing to do because everybody's needs money. <laughs> That's a, hello. Come on. Um, well, I'm going to add this question because now since you have lived in both places, so do you see a difference in the type of customer service that you receive in the UK where tipping is not standard versus in the U S where we're kind of all singing for our supper. If we work specifically at a bar or restaurant in the framing of this question, can you tell a difference between tipping culture versus not as far as performance by the employee? Yeah. I think in the States it is, there's so much pressure for the, the, the waiter, the waitress, the server, whatever you want to call it. The, the person who's in that customer service position to perform. Yes. And here it's just not because it's standard 12.5% that goes on the bill. You could ask to have it taken off actually. Wow. If you want to be a little real dick. Um, <laughs> but there, I would say though, the people that I've met here who are in customer service positions, they do have a little bit of that American like, hey, how can I, like really nice. I wouldn't uh, say that just because there's no big pressure on them to perform. There is a little, they are really nice and they, they do. Cause there is the chance you could give more, I guess. Sure. But the pressure, it feels different. It feels totally different. Okay. And ha- do you, what do you know what the minimum sort of living wage is for people at bars and restaurants in the UK? So I know that the minimum, I know what the minimum wage is. What is, is that? I think it's, um, I just said that. And then I'm like, I think it's, 825 or 875, something like that. 825. It's really low, but London has a London minimum wage, but it's not law to, to use it. It's just recommended. And that is uh, much higher. I think it's 1075. So if you are a smart business and you're a business who cares about your employees and you're a business who is socially conscious, then, then you pay your employees 1075. But I guarantee you most restaurants don't do that. Yeah, I, w- I would imagine not. They they try to get away with, yeah. Anyway, um, have you ever been stiffed? I guess not, because if you're running down the street to get your money, no, I have. Oh, you have. How'd I you have, handle yeah. that? It was like the the times I got stiffed were like, well, first of all, I didn't like I said, like I didn't run down the street after everybody. It was just like I when I was really up for it. But also, probably like in my early days of winning shows, this was like me. I became like a bitter old queen at the end. <laughs> like I was like, fuck too, you. Girl. That was like the skunk medicine. <laughs> but like in the beginning, in the beginning, I would like sometimes I would get stiff and um, people had laughed. And believe me, I go outside and look for them and they were nowhere to be found. Like if I couldn't see them walking to their car, I'd, I'd be like, what are you going to do? You know? So yeah, yeah there, I mean, it was so, maybe it happened once or twice. Oh, or, okay. It was mostly 
lower tips, sure. like what I didn't deserve. And the worst is when it was from someone famous and they were made money. Yeah, don't get me started on that because some of the worst tips I've gotten, I'm looking yeah. at you, Channing Tatum. Uh, a lot of them, uh, what did I say? Oh um, my God. Oh, I oh could, my God. Like, no. yeah, oh I'm, God, that's so disappointing. I know. It was for me too. I, and there's been some lovely, and I shouldn't expose. I shouldn't expose the ones that don't tip because they'll probably come for me, but he ain't going to listen to this. Okay. Uh, have you ever had anybody walk out on a bill completely and not pay at all? No, I don't think so. Yeah, it's I'm not really, as common. I'm really as- in my brain. I'm like, did that, did that happen to me? Did that happen to me? No, I feel like that happened to other people I worked with sure. for sure. But I don't think that ever happened to me. I think people think it's more common than it actually is. People do it. The dine and dash thing that people think is cute, yeah. which it is not. Have you ever been fired from a customer service job? Just, I don't think it, okay. So I was really thinking about this. It was that trial shift I did at the Rose Cafe in Venice. Oh. Um, as a host, oh. I did like two I did like, I think I did a Saturday and a Sunday, or maybe I just did one day. And the manager, I think he was homophobic. He did not, he was super, he criticized, he was like, he criticized me all day long. He criticized, first he started off criticizing my hair. Okay. And I was like, I mean, I don't, I mean, I didn't have like, I mean, okay. I did have a reverse mullet at the time, which is, you know, <laughs> long in the front, short in the back. I which I'm kind know. Of doing I would criticize you too. And so, <laughs> so it was a look. Okay. It was a choice. <laughs> it was an absolute choice, a reverse mullet. And he was just really, 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 um, I could just tell it wasn't going to work. So I think it was one of those things. I don't think I got fired, but I don't think he asked me to come back to start. And I think uh, I didn't want to either. I think it was kind of mutual. Cause I remember I said something to him when he said something about my hair, I was also wearing a turtleneck. I remember this. And I know that sounds weird cause it's LA, but it was by the beach. It was kind of cold. No, it's cold over there. Was, yeah, yeah. He thought it was inappropriate that I was wearing a turtleneck. I've, I've w- so, worn a winter jacket to Rose Cafe because they have outdoor seating. It gets cold yeah, there. Yeah. And they have the heat, the little heater. Yes. On. Yeah. And, um, he, and I remember I made a crack, like he was wearing a tie that was really ugly. And I said, maybe you want to rethink your ties. Like I said something like that. And it just was like, not, and then I kind of like laughed like, oh, <laughs> but if he's coming for you in such an inappropriate yeah. way, I'm sorry, but th- there's only yeah. so much you have a lot. I need to take a note from your skunk confidence because yeah, there's only so much abuse that you need to be taking, which is zero. But yeah, no, I used to work seconds from there. And a girlfriend of mine was like, Oh, come, come, you know, interview here make a ton of money, blah, blah, blah. And then she was telling me the tip system there and how it would seem real sketch. I don't know how it is now. I'm not saying she yeah. works there now. Everything's shut down. Don't come for me. But when she described the tip breakdown there about how much the house kept, I was like, oh, I'm in that hell right now. The house is keeping 44% of my tips here. Like, no, no, I'm not. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I quit that job very promptly. But yeah, that's I mean, anyway. Um, And then last question in this section. Can you think of the worst customer? And if you can't think of one specific, can you think of an archetype of what is the worst customer? Either either answer will do. You know, this is the worst customer for me. Of course, there's the people who are entitled, like when you're waiting tables, there's the people who kind of treat you like you're below them. But the worst for me really was when I had a great connection with somebody or they were nice or they like I did everything. It was totally fine. And then the tip was really bad. Yes. That was so hard to swallow because it's like you're going, it's like as an actor, you're waiting for your applause (laughs) and your roses being thrown on stage. And literally there's tomatoes being thrown. And And you feel like you did an Oscar winning performance or a Tony winning performance. You know, you're like, 
I was brilliant in that role with table 12. And then they literally leave you 250. And you're like, wait, what? It would like, and maybe because I'm, I'm a performer and an actor and I was just like, I was so sensitive. And that's why my friend Jen, I really admired her. Cause she was like, ah, fuck it. And on to the next, you know? So for me, the worst customer is somebody who tricks you into thinking that they're going to reward you with a great tip. And <laughs> <bump this. laughs> that's a great answer. I haven't had that yet on the podcast. I love that. And I totally identify with that. Yeah. Well, folks, even though Ethan tried to jump ahead a section by being all nice in the previous section, barf, we're going to move on to the good stuff now. We hope you saved room for dessert. Okay, what's the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you were working? When I was waiting tables, uh, I had a regular customer who come in all the time. So I had lots of regular customers and become friends with them casually, you know, like friends in there. And I told him one day that I loved his leather jacket. And um, I don't even like love leather jackets, but there was something about it. It was like, it was just really cool and it looked really expensive and it looked really beautiful. And I said, I love your leather jacket. Four hours later, he came back with a bag from Fred Siegel (gasps) and it had the leather jacket in it in a color that I would like. He somehow knew it was a green instead of a black one. I still have that leather jacket today. It's worth like a thousand dollars. Ethan. Yes. He brought me a leather jacket. Yes. His name is Danny. Are you still friends with Danny? That's so lovely. Uh, we're friends on Facebook. Yeah. he He's a hairdresser. He does Drew Barrymore's hair. Danny Howell, he bought me a leather jacket. That's so lovely. I hope he hears that. That's really, really lovely. Those it are the- so kind. It was so thoughtful. Yes. It was just like, it was so unexpected. Like, yeah. it was like... I- when, he, when I saw him coming back, I was like, oh, like, is he going to eat here for lunch now? Because he had been in for breakfast, you know? And then he just handed me this Fred Siegel bag. And I was like, what? What's this? How did you and react? I was just dumbfounded. I was like, wait, what? And he's like, no, I, I, it's for you. And you know that thing where it's like, it's like we weren't, we weren't like best friends or anything. No. And so it was a little bit, it's like, with like, oh my God, thank you so much. What? No, I can't keep this. I can't. He's like, yes, of course. That's for you. I got it for you. I'm like, no, I can't accept this. I can't accept this. He's like, absolutely. You're accepting it. Oh, I love yeah. that so much. Those are the kinds of people, like I say this all the time. When I get that kind of money, I am going to bless people with that kind of surprise shit all the time because it is my favorite thing to watch people just be so overwhelmed with the kindness and not know where to put it is uh I cannot wait to be able to do stuff like that that's really really lovely say his name again just so people can hear it it was Danny Howell I love it okay what's the best tip you've ever gotten and if you don't want to say the actual monetary value you can give us a range leather jacket's a pretty dope tip so I don't know (laughs) know. the jacket was a great I mean that's yeah there was one time when I was uh naked house cleaning where you're gonna die I'm currently dying. Somebody, this is this is like, you know how we said British people don't tip, yeah. but this is an exception. He loved my work so much. He gave me 500 pounds. <gasps> that's the equivalent to like a million US dollars. I don't know conversions, but that's a <laughs> lot of money. Like it's like 750. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Okay. It was incredible. It was really incredible. And, and totally unexpected. It, and he did it like it was nothing. He oh. did it. He like pulled it out of his pocket. It was like, it was just there. Like, it was just like, he literally counted them off in hundreds. Wow. You're going like, to, you're going to have to show me your penis after this, because I have to imagine <laughs> that had to be some of this. Okay. I'll send you some after. Amazing. I'm into it. Yes. You have my consent. Um, what is the best <laughs> lesson that you have learned having worked in customer service? What's something I've really learned? Is that what you asked? Yeah. Me? The best lesson that you personally have learned having worked in it. Everybody's got a story mm. and everybody has a story. 
people are coming from places that you can't even imagine. People, even the people that seem like they're dicks or they're assholes to you as on the receiving end, as the, as the customer service person, I, I, it just was to just have some understanding about people. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean that it still doesn't sting. It doesn't mean that it's, I didn't want to chase people down the street and say, how dare you? Cause I did all that stuff too. But it really was every, everybody's got a story. Everybody's coming from someplace and I probably don't know what it is and it'll probably surprise you. And the same going the other way too. That yeah. When people look at customer service people, it's like, listen, they, you don't know where they've come from today. So it was really that, like, I think just thinking about where everybody's coming from. So then how, knowing that, how do you not accept unacceptable behavior though? Because you stood up for yourself in the situation with yeah. the Rose Cafe dick face. So how do you balance that with not g being abused? You know, I think for, in the sense of like, with people who were overtly rude to me, then absolutely would call them out on that. But still somewhere in the back of my head, knowing that it probably wasn't about me, you know, like they're, they're, they've got some, either they're triggered by me for some reason. Maybe it was because I'm gay and they're homophobic. I don't know. Maybe it was because they got something else because they're having a bad day or they just got fired or whatever. It was just somewhere trying to like distance myself from it, like not take everything personally. personally. It was hard. It was always hard, but it was, but yes, I definitely didn't, I didn't suffer fools. Is that the expression? I love that like, phrase. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. I was like, no, I'm going to stand up for myself, but that's no excuse for them to treat me like dirt, but still they're coming from someplace. I don't know what that place is, but, but it's somewhere. You know, I yeah. got you. Who's the best customer you have ever, or an example of what would be the best customer if you don't want to pick someone specific. People who tip me in leather jackets and yeah. cold hard cash. Pretty good. Pretty dope. Actually. Okay, yeah. great. Yeah. <laughs> and People who really go above and beyond to uh, monetarily show you how much they appreciate you. Big fan. Big fan of that, too. Uh-huh. Yeah. I will actually chill your wine at your table if that's what it takes. You want it to spin in the ice? I got you, boo. And then finally, what's one piece of advice that you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? So think about it this way. People fuck up at their jobs all the time. People aren't perfect. People have bad days. People mess up. You never go to a teacher and say to the teacher, hey, um, my kid didn't really get the lesson that you taught them today, so I'm going to dock your pay. You don't go to an accountant and say, or the accountant's assistant and say, hey, you inverted some numbers here. So that's going to be $20 off of your pay today. But for waiters and waitresses and people in customer service, especially waiters and waitresses, you are constantly getting, you're, you're keeping a tally of how you're going to dock their pay. And it's so unbelievable. It doesn't exist anywhere else. Anywhere else. So ask yourself, if you ask yourself in your job, whatever boring job you do or exciting job you do in your life, if you're in LA and you're a famous actor and you're coming in, no one docks your pay when you forget a line. No one docks your pay when you fuck up a take a million times. You still get paid your billion dollars. So, or even if whatever you do, it doesn't have to be a billion dollars, you still get paid your wage. So stop putting all this energy into trying to make these people perform for you in the best case scenario, because life doesn't work like that. People make mistakes, period, the end. 
I was having an aneurysm when he was saying all of that because that is so true. And I've never thought about it like that. I don't go to my doctor and say, you know what, you, you that jacket is too white. I'm going to, you can go ahead and tell my insurance company to, you know, only pay you 20 million dollars yeah. or whatever the fuck. I don't know what doctors make. Yeah, that's a great point. And it is it is punitive. And it's and it there yeah. is definitely a power struggle of if this person doesn't dance the exact steps that I have set out in my head that they need to, they're not getting blessed today. Now, granted, I I don't know how you feel about this, but the tipping culture that we have required to be part of the United States is wildly unfair to everyone involved except for the business owner because the the wage becomes the responsibility of the customer which is unfair and especially because they've paid for the meal so they don't have to necessarily they don't have to tip you ever and it is a backwards imbalanced system that I can't pay my rent unless you choose to give me free money that granted I've you know I've served you and I've earned but my job is to actually serve you so I'm not necessarily going above and beyond by bringing you a hot plate of food. That's my job. So it is, you know, the system is imbalanced. And I mean, I'm sure that you've seen, especially now that you're living in a culture that doesn't, that has the 12%, but doesn't really like overtly tip, you know, it isn't, it isn't ideal what we've set up in the States, but it is how it is. So unless you're going to affect policy change, you are signing up when you go to eat for that. Otherwise, get takeout and don't tip and feel less guilty about it. I don't know. It's a, yeah, it's a flawed takeout. I do too. (laughs) Here's the thing. I totally agree with you. It's such a racket. It's such a racket. The whole thing. Oh, this is my second piece of advice because I got more. Second piece of advice for a customer. If you're sitting there, you have no idea probably as a customer. I mean, you touched on this earlier, Kate, about your tip is not just paying the waiter or waitress's wage. You're also that waitress or waiter is responsible for tipping out the bus boy who cleared away your plates or the bus girl, you, uh, the porter or the kitchen staff. We used to have to tip out the kitchen. Yep. I have to tip the kitchen out. Why is it my responsibility to tip the kitchen? You you. make the food. You should be paid a fair wage by the owners. Thank you. So it's, think about that. Like that it's not just for me. It's for all the, oh, the host. I used to have to tip out the host or the hostess there. I just named three or four people that I had to tip out. Yep. That, Sometimes that, managers are skimming wage. off the top from my, from my wage. Yeah. The place where I worked that where I, we were paying 44% back to the house, the kitchen got a taste, the bartender, I was bartending at the time, but I still had to tip that much bartenders host. Uh, oh, I forget all the, it was, it was bonkers. It was bonkers, yeah. the percentages. And it is a way that the business can continue to make even more money because especially with the food cost going up, they would yeah. say, Oh, well, we're going to raise the menu prices. So your average tip would be higher, which wasn't necessarily true. And yeah. also that just meant, well, more money back to whomever. And yeah, it's every, everybody getting a taste, as they say. And yes, um, do you have any other it's advice? It's a flawed system. I agree. And you should keep that in mind next time you're sitting in a restaurant. Wanting <laughs> to be, be like, punitive oh. and yeah. yeah. Although I do think that people could make a difference beyond policy change. I do think, I've done this before. I do think if you say, hey, is the manager here or the owner? And, and say like, hey, 
I'm a little bit worried about the system and how it works. Like I have to tip so then they can do this. And I've had discussions with business owners and be like, I know, but then they tell me their side of it. Like, Oh my God, you don't even know like business rates and taxes. And yeah, because it's just a powder keg. It's about to blow up. Yeah. Because the system isn't sustainable because it's called greedy capitalism. Yeah. It's well, it's yeah. not sustainable. It isn't. And we're seeing, we're seeing that now the number of, anyway, that's a whole thing. Uh, <laughs> This is a different podcast. We're going to go down the road here. Yep, we could. Do you have any other advice or anything else you want to say about customer service? Okay. I think I've I've said it. You've you've nailed it. Well, how can people get in touch with you, Ethan? What what can people do to find out about where are you now and tune in because you're going to be doing, you have been doing this monthly. And so are you on socials? How do they just give us all the info to, to get after you? Right. So um, I'm on Instagram as the silver factory. So that's from uh, Warhol reference because he used to have uh, Andy Warhol used to have the factory and they covered it all in silver. So I love that idea. Anyway, the silver factory at the silver factory. Uh, I'm on Twitter as at doing it with Ethan, because when you come and hang with me, you're doing it with Ethan. That's without a G. It's doing it with Ethan. And um, I'm on Facebook as well, that you can find me as doing it with Ethan on there as well. And my name, Ethan McCara. Can you spell and, that for folks? Yeah, it's Amazon Mary, E-C-H-A-R-E. But I just go by Ethan. You just call, I'm just a one word person, you know? <laughs> You're a I'm single Ethan. namer. It's like Cher, Madonna, <laughs> Ellen, Ethan. Oprah. So, Oprah. Th- I can't believe I didn't say Oprah first. I can't oh believe God. it either. What's your brand? I mean, Let's get focused. Okay. And then do you have a website or anything that will have the information so that they can find where are you yeah. now? So this is this is what kind of sucks about this is because the registration link, so you do have to register. It takes one second to register for where are you now because it's a, it's a webinar. So it's through Zoom, unfortunately. So the website is like really long and annoying. But if you go to any of the socials that I just said, like doing it with Ethan or the Silver Factory, it's all, they're all in my bio. So you can find it there. You can also go to my web website and find it there too, the link, which is ethanmacara.com. Okay. And if they, so the, the concept of the show, just so people understand, you can call in and just watch. You don't like, like Ethan mentioned, your mic isn't on and your video is not on. He has to invite you into the room if you raise your hand and say that you want to participate and you can go as deep as you want or be as surface as you want. And Ethan asks really loving and thoughtful questions and is a great interviewer. So if you want to spill your guts to people all over the world and just participate in this really cool experiment slash show, you should definitely tune in. It is worth watching and you can, it goes for eight hours. So if you're busy throughout the day, you can just check in and be on for 20 minutes or whatever and go do your thing and come back. And you can also get zoom on your phone and just listen and go, go about your life. Anyway, exactly. That's the perfect description because it goes on for eight hours. You've got no excuse to tune in people Yeah, like, come on, you can find 10 minutes to, to, to tune in. I'd love for you to do it. So yeah, it's been a brilliant participant. I appreciate you. You've asked lovely questions. It's been really, really fun. Well, folks, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service From Hell, we'd love to have you subscribe, rate, and or review the show wherever you listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled on the art of being kind. It won't be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us here at Service From Hell, send us your receipts at servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember, if you can't afford to tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. Thanks, Ethan, for being on and giving me so much of your time. This was a long, long, long interview, and I really appreciate it. It was lovely. Thank you. All right, folks, that's going to be it. Good night, everybody.
This was lovely. Oh You're my gosh. How do you edit this down? Oh, editing takes me several days. It's hard. Do you talk to people for two hours? No, really? you, you no. you're very, I'm going to make this a two parter, but um, people who are really comfortable, who give me a lot and I yeah. want them to like learn from, I usually make it a two parter, but yeah, editing takes a lot. It's, it's a, I got to figure out a way to monetize this thing. Cause it's, it's a lot of work as you no. I know. I know. Thanks for listening. Oh my God. Of yeah. course. Yeah. I really enjoy it. I'm, I'm really, really proud of you. Appreciate you. I'm proud of you too. I don't know how you, you find the energy to sit for eight hours and talk to folks, but I will see you on. You could, you could do it. I have faith. I think you could do it. Girl, I don't know. I'll do not know. <laughs> okay. Well. Long- Interested in helping support the growth of this podcast? Thank you so much. Please visit our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash the Kate Gaffney. That's patreon.com forward slash T H E K A T E G A F F N E Y. Mm-hmm.